two parts of their Hebrew Bible. Um, so he's basically looking at the Old Testament and saying, look, Jesus fulfilled these. He's not trying to say, oh, it's the New Testament. Old Testament doesn't apply anymore. He is using the law of Moses and the prophets to persuade them. There's a lot of people that say, we just go by the New Testament. And this is my main reason for why the Old Testament is still important for Christians today. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bible Classroom series that we're in. This is the second episode where I walk through the ending portion of Acts chapter 28. Um, specifically, we're going to focus on um, the Jewish reception to Paul's message in Rome. Um, we're going to walk through um, different uh, verses that Paul uses in response to their reception, and we'll actually walk through some of the Gospels, um, different uh, quotes of that same verse um, in their various contexts. So um, it's going to be a fun uh episode overall uh, definitely have a bible handy where you're uh, flipping around to different uh, verses and references um, and i hope you guys get a lot out of this i certainly did studying for it um, it was really uh, cool just in inspiring to see how paul handles um, just the new co converts or possible converts that will be in rome and especially his love for his specific jewish people that he's grown up with all along. So I hope you guys enjoy. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day. Remember, Paul can't go anywhere because he's under house arrest, so everybody has to go to him. Um, and came in even larger numbers. So a lot of people turn up. This is like best best uh, church turnout, right? Like everybody's really interested in what Paul's going to say here. Um, large numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, which that's a long time, by the way. Like I teach for like an hour, hour. This is like full on like morning till evening teaching of what is the gospel, um, which is pretty awesome. Like I would have loved to have been in that audience. But like, um, remember, this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like bath bathroom break every every hour. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he teaches from morning till evening explaining and here i want to focus on this um he explains the kingdom of god which remember way back in acts one um the kingdom of god uh is the thing that jesus was teaching his disciples and the thing that he announced more than anything else um let's see here i'll show you the verse here uh yeah. After his suffering, verse three of chapter one, after his suffering, he presented himself to them, them being the disciples, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about what? The kingdom of God. Okay. So the very thing that after Jesus is uh, resurrected, he starts teaching about the kingdom of God. This is what Paul is doing. He's teaching about the kingdom of God because that is the point of Christians. That's what we teach. We teach about the kingdom of God. That's the most important thing. He gives things after the kingdom of God as well that he's teaching and from the law of Moses and from the prophets. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. Okay. So there's two things. Kingdom of God, which is... Um, my shorthand for 
if you want to know about the kingdom of God, just read the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the kingdom of God in a nutshell, basically. So he's teaching about the kingdom of God and the Sermon on the Mount, basically. And then from the law of Moses and the prophets, he's trying to look at verses in both of those and explain how Jesus is their Messiah. Okay. Um, The law of Moses and the prophets were the two parts of their Hebrew Bible. Um, So he's basically looking at the Old Testament and showing them verses in the Old Testament in these sections and saying, look, Jesus fulfilled these. I have no doubt that Isaiah 53, which we're going to talk about today um, in a different podcast, um, is probably one of the verses that he most harped on, especially from the prophets. Um, So yeah, it's, he's not, uh, he's not trying to say, oh, it's the New Testament. Old Testament doesn't apply anymore. We'll just focus on the New Testament now. You know, like he is using the law of Moses and the prophets to persuade them. Like that's a very important point because there's a lot of people that say we just go by the New Testament and and uh <laughs> Well, I don't care. <laughs> it's in scripture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and yeah. So it was like, I'm going to explain to you what you've been reading your entire life. Exactly. I've been telling you the entire time that Jesus was the Messiah. Yeah, know? yeah. And this is my main reason for why the Old Testament is still important for Christians today. Because if Paul can do it for them, we can do it today. Now, yes, we don't have the same cultural understanding that they did about the law of Moses and the prophets. Um, I'm trying to change that with my podcast. Go check it out. Small, small little plug there. Um, but... Uh, the uh there's still things about jesus in these books um that is very important so uh yeah this is one of my favorite verses in acts because of that reason so just uh just to harp on that for a little bit um some were convinced by what he said but others would not believe all right so we have this kind of 50-50 split, right? Some people believed. Yeah, they were convinced by the law of Moses and the prophets that he was explaining the kingdom of God. They're like, full in, yep, that makes sense. Jesus is the Messiah, totally on board. Others did not believe. And that's generally the case in most of the towns when he goes to Jewish peoples. Um, when he explains things, there's usually always a small group of people um, that believe, and then usually a larger um, portion of people that don't agree. Um, in this case, he pits it as, uh, we don't really know it, how he just says some did and some didn't. Um, so we don't have any quantities or anything like that. Um, they disagreed among themselves and began to leave Paul after Paul had made this final statement. Um, this is really interesting because Paul obviously was feeling the room in this statement because they didn't leave until after he made this final statement. And this is still going on with his teaching. And can you just imagine a pastor who's like trying to teach and then gets a sense that the people in the room, not all of them are believing and some of them are, uh, uh, obstinate and stubborn. Um, he makes this statement to them at the very end of his teaching. Um, when he says the Holy spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors, when he said through Isaiah, the prophet go to this people and say, you will, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might hear, might see with their eyes, might hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. 
to talk about like a ending to us teaching <laughs> very tense here and as you see here they left after he said that so this doesn't this isn't like a successful sermon where everybody claps paul on the back and says man you totally like inspired me to like like follow after jesus no this this ends very negatively where he says this final statement of them all being so stubborn and they leave um so just kind of cold silence uh, and then he says this final sentence after, as they're probably leaving, maybe even before, therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. And he has pretty good proof of that because he's been on three missionary journeys where that's been the case. Um, for two whole years, Paul stayed there. This is Luke kind of summing up the story you just read. Um, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed, what's what, what did he proclaim? Kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Two things he did kingdom of God and Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's how Luke ends the book. So when they're arguing, the people mm -hmm. are they arguing about whether or not they believe Paul was speaking the truth or not? Um, so there's a couple of imp implied things here. Uh, one, probably this last line, because this is the this has been a trend for a lot of Jewish stubbornness, has been anytime says that God's salvation has been given to the Gentiles, Jews have a problem. Um, particularly because up until this point, the teaching had been that um, the Jews were the only ones that were following after God, and they went through 400 years of awful suffering um, following after God and uh, always keeping to Scripture. And because of that, they will be saved. That was the main way that they thought in this time period was that because of um, our diligence to follow after Torah, after his law, um, because of our diligence to obedience and to obey the law, we will be saved as a result of that. And you can look at how horrible those 400 years before Christ were. And yeah, there's a lot of reasons they have for why they were faithful to God. It's specifically, you can look at a king named Antiochus IV, um, who literally goes into the temple and uh, slaughters a pig on the altar and like makes Judaism illegal. And anyone that practices it like is killed basically and so like it's very very serious things that they go through and so their hope was that god would come back and uh get rid of the evil romans who were the next version of antiochus the fourth to them and uh save them because of their faithfulness to still follow after god that's their mindset so when they hear this phrase God is now saving the Gentiles. What they hear is God is now saving Antiochus the fourth. God is now saving this Roman Nero dictator. That's being really awful to us as a people and as a religion. And they have, they have nothing. They want nothing to do with it. They think Paul's gone off the rails with that because to them, to get salvation, you have to be in Torah. You have to be following the law. Basically that's what kept them being pure and that's uh what's going to save them so that hopefully that's some context as to why that's probably the most offensive line he says in this whole thing but on top of that like this whole quote is from isaiah actually um and it's from isaiah chapter six and it's not a uh 
It's not a good context in which he quotes this. Uh, <laughs> not a feel good, not a good feel good message. Um, context of Isaiah six here is uh, also you can check out the Boring Bible podcast episode on this if you want to. But uh, <laughs> four plugs. Um, but uh, context here is that um, Isaiah is called to be a prophet in this chapter, and he's called specifically to go to Jews to tell them um, these verses here. Uh, let's see. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, oh, sorry, uh, verse nine. Okay. He said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seen, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull, and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Uh, and then Isaiah goes into questions and stuff about it. But recognize in this context, the people of Israel were worshiping other gods, were uh, doing all kinds of horrible child sacrifice. We're playing around, um, sleeping with other people like th this context in which that, that prophecy is given to Isaiah is in a context where the people of Israel were morally awful people and were not following after God. And as a result of this, Isaiah has to prophesy exile is going to come. Assyria is going to wipe you out. Um, Babylon's going to wipe you out. Like basically you're going to get judged super harshly for not following Torah in this concept. So for Paul to pull from this Isaiah six and apply it to Jews who think they are following Torah, who think that they are in the right and that Paul is a hypocrite or a liar or whatever, like for him to use that language too, from that context, that's also pretty harsh and insulting. yeah, pretty insulting. Yeah. Pretty insulting. Yeah. <laughs> so it's for the. So yeah, it's for those two reasons. I would say that they have the most problem with what he said because up up until that point, you can see uh, there. There's some believe, some don't, right? And it's, it's at that point that they start disagreeing amongst themselves. They really disagreed among themselves to get to your question too, a lot because some of them were convinced and some weren't convinced. And so there's a disagreement between each other. Some are like, no, I actually think what he's saying is good. Uh, and then other people are like, no, you can't believe that. Like th that would mean all this other problems. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of complicated things that I wish honestly Luke went in deeper on to like get even more insight into like what was some of their other hangups. But the two that Luke gives us specifically was this quote from Isaiah and the fact that salvation is now for Gentiles. Those, those two are the big, big, um, nails in the coffin, so to speak for this Jewish people. All right. So that's the chapter overall. Now, what are we to learn from this? Um, there's a couple of interesting things that I want to focus on here. Um, also, uh, I, I thought this was really fascinating. This quote is used a lot in, ugh, I keep doing that. Um, this quote from Isaiah is used a lot in the New Testament, um, particular, um, go to this people and say, you will ever hearing, but never understanding that quote from Isaiah six. Um, Jesus actually uses this three times in one story. Um, 
I guess technically one time. It depends on how you view the Gospels and how they do narratives and things like that. But um, you can find this quote that Jesus makes in three different um, parts of I said that wrong in three different gospels, all about the same story. And in that, um, part, I'll show you the Matthew one. Um, let's see here. Matthew 13. So quick question. Yeah. Yeah. What's up? When you went back to Isaiah Mm -hmm. and read the original. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, uh, actually, you could say uh, it looks here that there is a link to that to Psalm 1970 as well. Um, their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. Okay. That's just a, a, a brief reference. I was wondering if it was like a direct quote or not, but. No, that's, no, that's a, that's a really good point is, um, basically I, I, you could even put this down. This might not even be a Septuagint thing. I actually don't know. I didn't look at the Septuagint on this, but it, it could be one of two things. It could be a Septuagint thing, or it could be Paul's intentionally shifting it to say, this has now happened, right? Like theologically, this has now become a reality for y'all, you know, because in Isaiah's case, uh, he's going to prophesy it so that it becomes true. Whereas, um, in this case, he's already done the prophesying and now it is a reality, if that makes any sense. So, so it could be either one of those. Uh, it could, uh, I'll look on that and see um, if the Septuagint has softened the language, but either one um, is a possibility. So um, great, great insight though. I love insights like that. I wish more people had them. Um, the, so where was, oh yeah, Matthew. Um, so in math, no, you're good. You're good. That's great. Um, so in Matthew, the, what is the verse here? 13. This is the best context for this verse 10 and following. Um, so this is after Jesus has been teaching in parables and, uh, specifically after he gives the parable of the sower. After he gives the parable of the sower, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to people in parables? Like, what's the deal with all these stories where you never really like actually like give any like real information? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been, remember, I told you, kingdom of heaven, always a harping on it. Um, Secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will. Uh, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken away from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. 
you will ever you will be ever seeing but never perceiving you're going to get tired of hearing this <laughs> for this people's heart has become calloused also there it's has become calloused um, they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes otherwise they might see with their eyes hear with their ears understand with their hearts and turn and i would heal them so once again jesus has quoted this as well in the context of again teaching only to jews in parables. Um, and he's specifically saying, no, I'm doing this on purpose because for him, he has the foresight and foreknowledge to know that if he were to reveal the honest truths of this, uh, they would not listen. And that's why he gives them parables. Cause at least they're getting something. <laughs> this is what I kind of like about, uh, Jesus It's like, he doesn't just completely write them off. He's like, he gives them something. And he gives them something that they can ponder, go home and tell their wife, like, well, I heard this weird story today from the rabbi Jesus, and I'm not sure what to make of it. You know, like he gives them that. And maybe through that, through that slow, there's, there's always a bit of hope, I guess, in what, what's going on with this. Um, but he knows that if they got the full, full on truth, um, they wouldn't listen. And so again, that's what Paul's kind of, I think, um, pulling from as well as there's a history here with this. The John example is a little different and I'll bring that one up. All of the rest are all different versions of that same parable of the sower followed by Jesus explaining why he teaches in parables. But in the John one, um, in John 12 40, so would you, would you say that's Jesus being divisive or that's Jesus meeting them where they are? De okay. So, uh, what do you mean by the word divisive first? Because like in, in, in the sense that like divisive is mischievous or manipulative, uh, like if you, if you have like a negative connotation to that word, then no, I guess is what I'm saying. But there is a way that you can, cause divisive by its own nature, it, um, sounds like dividing, like being, you're trying to divide, you know, or whatever. And like, that's not what, he's being like, but if you're saying, is he being uh, shrewd as a serpent? Yeah. Yes. He's being shrewd as a serpent. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, verse. Yeah. 40. Um, so in this case, it's not about parables. John has different way that he quotes this even after Jesus had performed so many. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. John, John is always different. Has to be the different one. John, <laughs> I know, right? John, John's an Enneagram four has to be different. <laughs> even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. So this is, has to do with signs, miracles, basically. Um, they still would not believe in him. Also, yeah. Oh, there's a whole topic about what signs means in the book of John that I could go on for days about. Um, it, it means more than miracles. And so I want to make that clear, but I cannot get into it today. We'd be here all day. Oh. <laughs> Give us one line then. Um, okay. Uh, in John, at the very end, uh, at the uh, crucifixion, John has a, a moment where he breaks from the narrative and notices that water and blood were both pouring out of Jesus's side when the spear is stabbed into him. And he says, I am a, a, like a representative. I can testify that this is true, that I saw this happen. Most people think that's just as a proof that he was dead. 
It's not. It's a sign that goes throughout the whole of John, which is water and blood. And water and blood are both signs that come up time and time again in the whole book of John. He, he maps a lot of the stories around water and blood. So uh, that's just a taste of what I could spend an hour talking about in John about how water and blood are almost in so many stories in the book of John. But it, <laughs> but there, there's your line. Not one line, but it, short. <laughs> All right. So regardless, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Uh, that's not Isaiah. That's Isaiah 53, actually. Um, and then right after the Isaiah 53. Yeah, that is Isaiah. Sorry. That's not Isaiah 6 is what I should have said. That's not Isaiah 6. It's Isaiah 53. Um, for this reason, they could not believe because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. So he gives a smaller version and he doesn't have, uh, it's not Jesus saying it basically. Um, this is commentary from John um, at this point. We break from the story and he's like, dear reader, by the way, this was to fulfill the word that was in Isaiah. Here, here, here's, here's the scripture here. Yep, you got it. And here's the other scripture. This is why this happened. Um, so doing the same thing that Paul would have done in Acts 28. Okay. So all of this is kind of at the heart of the way that Christians are thinking about the Jews' response to Christianity, right?